everyone, welcome back to The Reluctant Cruise, a One Piece rewatch podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Brian. Uh, my name is Clinton. Um, Making you wait a little bit. Yeah, no, there you go. I really like whiskey, and if you thought you liked whiskey too, you're in for a treat today. I will tell you what. And also, this is Steve. You got up, 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 you figure it out later. <laughs> oh, what the fuck? Okay. I forgot about that. Guy. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, I forgot about his little vocal tics, but. Perfect. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Well, we're... good way to go. Good way to go. Okay. Uh, I, 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 you just you just blanked my fucking mind. Um, yeah. So, before we get fully into it, uh, I don't know. This is just a notable LA thing. Apparently, the Rams have traded Jared Goff uh, near the end of our last recording to Detroit. So they're trading Jared Goff, a first round pick and a second and third round pick, or maybe two third round picks for Matt Stafford. Wow. About them Lions. I'm going to be honest. I think, theoretically, Matt Stafford has been in the past and could be a better quarterback than Jared Goff, but uh, I'm going to say that the Rams probably got the shitty end of this deal considering their quarterback was much younger. Oh, yeah. And they're giving up all of those picks. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, fuck it. Rare, wise move on the part of Detroit. Yeah, that wasn't the L.A. news that I heard, but, you know. There's a lot going on in L.A. Depends on which part of L.A. you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> L.A. Protesters shutting down Dodgers Stadium where people are trying to get vaccines. Wait, what? I yes. thought you were talking about how the mayor or the, the governor said, like, you know all those restriction orders I put in like a month ago that really didn't mean shit? I'm taking those away so it still doesn't mean shit. What are you talking about? Wait, what? Okay, so earlier today, because the largest vaccination site in the country is Dodger Stadium. Okay. Or at least like top three. So every day it's open from like 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. I believe it's every day. So with all these like hundreds of cars maybe thousands i don't know just in line for the vaccine at some point like a mass of like 40 to 50 protesters or some shit like anti-maxers anti-maxers anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers but you know it's the same people uh came over like covid's a hoax the vaccine isn't real fauci and all this blah blah basically just like all of the rhetoric that that would ensue and because they were just like going around, the police were like, "All right, fuck this, no." So they shut down the, uh, they shut down Dodger Stadium and wouldn't let people in for like hours, I believe, an hour or two. But also, apparently, all of these vaccines, uh, pretty much just like good for the day. So, however many people that they wouldn't see for that time are basically just wasted vaccines. Well, this has been breaking news over with your crack reporting team. This shit sucks. LA's has been a fucking trip today. At least five rappers have probably said that in the last 30 years. <laughs> it's the opposite of ice cubes. Today was a good day. Today was a shit day. <laughs> well, for LA. I think the Lakers just started playing, so that might be bad, bad news for them. Are they playing OKC, though? Playing the Celtics, and they're winning currently. Boom. Okay, I was gonna say that might be the worst possible team for the Lakers to lose to, besides the SuperSonics, which don't exist anymore. Then your blimp is not even up. You know what is up? Our spirits, because well, I guess the Clippers might be. That was gonna be a really good segue. <laughs> I was gonna say the good your blimp is not up, but you know what is up? Our spirits, because we are out of. Filler territory still. We are moving forward. I just had to note that one more time because Yeah, fuck very excited. We're out of filler. 
Oh, God. What are we going to do for our lips? Uh, by Botox. Does not look like the weekend. Anyway. But you know what? You know who's most excited about not being in filler? Me. You know who's. Is it you? Yes. You know who's going to do this first episode? I'll give you a hint. It's the same person. I thought it was Slash. I couldn't remember. We just talked about this like five minutes ago and I'd, I already forgot. But Okay, dude. if Steve said me, we could have all said me. Uh, it was truly the. It was me. Was. It was actually me all this time. I'm just going to do all the episodes. Take it away, Brian. No, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> but okay. Oh, fuck. The tables have turned. It was me. Yes. At that point, you should have just looked at me through this Discord cam and said, I am the captain now. But I'm not. Good, so read the fucking episode. Steve, what do you got for us? I will do. So you know what? We are on episode 64, a town that welcomes pirates setting foot on Whiskey Peak. Here we are. Hell yeah, whiskey. Whiskey! Where's my Canada Bowl dry and and Jack and said Jack Morgan. Jack Daniels. <laughs> Here you fucking go. That's probably what it'll be. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, oh Jesus. That was loud. Thanks, SM7B. New microphone. Sure, SM7B. Please sponsor us. Give us more microphones. Canada Dry Bold. This is not a plug. Anyways, here we are. The episode opens up. The ship has been repaired. Holy shit, it's snowing. Apparently, the snowfall is almost instantaneous, like it just comes down in a dump, kind of like the East Coast in the wintertime. But you know what? You know who has some excellent snow building skills? Usopp. The man is legendary. But wait, what's this? There's also lightning in the snow. And there's this really strange weather phenomena. Nami just somehow thinks that it's part of what Crocus is warning about. Not gonna lie, I kind of felt like a weatherman right there for a second. But you know what? It's all good. Because Miss Wednesday and Mr. Nine scold Nami for not being on top of navigation. But Nami knows she is the shit. So have no worry, listeners. That's when Nami realizes that in a short amount of time that she wasn't even focused, uh, the ship's gone wildly off course. And she's like, turn this bitch around 180. Or as some of the older people say, let's flip a bitch and turn around and go the other way. (laughs) Yeah. But anyways, they turn the whole, they flip a bitch and narrowly avoid smashing an iceberg. Near, far, wherever you are. Anyways, we managed to come away unscathed from the iceberg. There's your qualifier. But we're still taking on water. Zoro, meanwhile, his lazy ass is just sleeping through all the terror. And he's just kind of distressful of this mysterious duo. Before he's able to work out, he's interrupted by a knock on the head uh, from Nami not being very useful because she's just kind of like what the hell is wrong with you get up and do something you lazy ass nami then declares her current navigational skills are unsatisfactory for the grand line promises that she'll guide them nonetheless she'll be the actual captain she'll wear the pants on the ship or in the relationship or whatever who knows anyways the crew spy on their first destination on the horizon of the Grand Line. It's this little pace. Gin Peak. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. Not Gin Peak. Whiskey Peak. Ms. Wednesday and Mr. Nine make a quick getaway, jumping into the water. I assume they're going to swim. Did I emphasize his name like that in the, in the sub? No. But, like, I just like saying that that way. Mr. Nine. Yeah, it works, so... The problem is because he has multiple names. We'll yeah, I guess. Figure that out going forward. Anyways, here we are. Usopp is terrified of the potential dangers they might find on this island. Because, well, it's a new island. But Nami says that 
there aren't any that they'd need to stay on the island enough for the log post to properly record the island's magnetic field so that way it'll take them to the next destination. And the rest of the guys say that since they don't know for sure that there would be monsters anyway, they should just proceed as normal and take it with a grain of salt. Nami agrees. She's like, yeah, go on to the island and enjoy yourselves. While telling them to stay on their guard. Here we are. There's lookouts on the rocks. Spot the incoming straw hats. As the merry-go just draws in closer and closer to the, the little small port town. Crew's staying on their toes. They're like, oh, what's going to happen? Suddenly, this entire town just starts bursting out and cheering and for their arrival. And, and it's just crowds are yelling. And it's it's phenomenal. It's It's grand. The stupor that's there when people are just so excited there's this amazing sense of celebration then we see the mayor Igarapoi as he welcomes the crew personally into their little town of Rum Peak I'm I'm sorry Whiskey Peak decides to throw a celebration in their honor it's quite a grand one at that. Ah, grand line. <laughs> Anyways. Boy. I know. Boo all you want. No, we're, we're saying boo earns. Nami tries to ask how long it would take the log post to recalibrate itself. And Igarapoi just rushes off the question. Doesn't really just... Whatever. Usopp starts telling tales. To anyone that will listen, just because that's how he is. He's the long nose Pinocchio motherfucker. Then we have Igarapoi. He tries to get Nami all liquored up. He's like, oh no, 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 I'm, I'm alright. So he mentions there's a drinking contest. The 100,000 berry cash prize. And of course, you know Nami and money and, and alcohol. It's like a holy triad, almost. Luffy, on the other hand, is putting away food at an astonishing weight. Well, rate. That's how he puts on weight. And Sanji's just hitting on 20 girls at once. This man is like the smoothest motherfucker around. And here we pan in on to Igarapoi, and he's like, Ah, oh, I hope they're enjoying their time. But I hope they're not enjoying too much. Kind of evil sense. But you know what? We're not going to judge him too much yet. Nami's final opponent, though, is a nun after this drinking contest. Zoro was in it. There's a few other people. Nami was in it. I think they said Nami finished her 13th cup or something. Zoro got through like 10 or some shit. No, I think Zoro finishes 13 and Nami kept going past that i don't think they said a number count but like at that point yeah she won but also passed out at the end yeah but it's all good because it's down between nami and a nun who's gonna win is it gonna be the the sister that's holier than thou or nami the cat burglar man if this was the show fleabag my money would have been on the nun (laughs) exactly Gotta get me some of that hot priest. And wouldn't you know it, Nami won. Well, then here we are. All the straw hats are passed out. We pan to the mayor. He's kind of slinking around town. We find out the mayor is actually Mista 8. And the nun is also in the same league as well with them. The nun, whose name is Miss Monday, questions why they wasted tight resources on the straw hats and Mista 8 shows them Luffy's 30 million berry bounty poster they're all kind of in stupor at that point they're just like whoa that's so much money but apparently if you kill Luffy he's only worth 70% of the bounty so they decide to take him alive 
wait, what's this? Zoro was awake, and he was listening the whole time. Shocking. Gasp. Yeah. <sighs> wow, really? Yes, he was awake, and he was listening the whole entire time. As it turns out, Zoro, having slept through some of the earlier trouble with the drinking and just doing a lot of uh, drinking while they're sailing through the good old lightning snow, he was catching some pretty hard seas. So he just pretended to be knocked out as a means of keeping his guard up. So Zoro says they figured out their plan. It's a town of bounty hunters. And you know what? To the bounties, Hunter's surprise, the swordman reveals that he knows the identity of their organization. Baroque Works. Dun, dun, dun. Boy, I do love me some music. Oh, yeah. Gotta give me some of those Baroque Works fucking... Some art, some music. Yeah, it's a great time for culture. Oh, yeah, buddy. Baroque Works. And we even have Igarapoy coming in and going like, Ma, ma, ma. At one point, though, Zora reveals that when he was a bounty hunter, way back when, not too long ago, he was recruited to join the company. But he's a lone wolf, so he declined. But now he's not a lone wolf because he's with the Straw Hats. So... Mr. Eight calls on all the Baroque members that are currently present right there. Kill Zoro. But in that very minute, poof. Zoro vanishes. What's gonna happen? Where is Zoro gonna appear at? To be continued. But you know what? There's also another good thing. There's a new ending. Wow. That's a lot to unpackage. What y'all thinking at this point? I feel like the, I mean, I don't know about everyone else, but for me, most intros are probably a little more recognizable in anime than outros, because especially for longer running shows, because both shift around a lot more. Kind of didn't remember this one, but it came on, I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, pretty catchy. But anyway, yeah, fun episode. Uh, I want to live in a place called Whiskey Peak. It's nice to, very quickly, as we see one or two episodes before, where we met Wednesday, these weirdos. Oh, and then immediately two episodes later, you, two episodes later, you have your answers as to who are these weirdos. So, very, very nice sequence so far. Fun stuff. Yeah. So one of the things that I noticed that I'd left out in the outline, and I guess this is because I was uh, taking notes while it happened, so it didn't get into my notes. Funny enough. So, as they had said in the last. Not this episode, the last episode of the anime that we covered on the last podcast episode. Nine and Wednesday are talking about how they were late for finishing the job, whatever job they were on. I believe technically their official job had been to kill the whale for resources. But uh, yeah, so you see them in the town of Whiskey Peak and they're trying to leave a message to their boss to be delivered by the bird and unnamed mammal creature the unluckies and that is when mr eight and miss monday gone meet them but yeah beyond that actually i was going to say something that goes into it later the episode that i'm going to be talking about last but the arc that we're starting right now is one of the stronger things that's in my mind even though it also mixes a lot with what happens but the uh, general overall plot arc, which we will again start talking about more in a second, was one of my favorite parts when I had watched the show earlier through like the four kids dub. So I'm definitely excited to see the rest of this. Also, going back to the LA Rams, I was very wrong in what I'd said. It wasn't a first round pick and two third round picks for Matt Stafford, it was two first-round picks and one third-round pick. So again, L.A. Rams. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, no shit. Yeah, that is that is fucking wild. I got episode 65. Explosion. Three-sword-style Zoro versus Baroque Works. 
last one, but that's what I was, was talking down to all the Baroque works folk on top of a building. And then all of a sudden, he disappears as they all look away for a second. Damn, where'd this guy go? I almost thought that he was still half drunk and it was going to show him passed out on the roof. But as the episode title hints, nah, Zoro's actually just going to do cool shit. And he actually was just holding his liquor slash waiting for the moment to strike. Because as, as he says, a swordsman never lets up on his bullshit. I'm sure that's the direct quote. <laughs> No, and the swordsman never lets anyone slip by like that. Uh, so everyone in the crowd, I'm just going to say Iga, because that plays into what his real name is when we find that out soon enough. But Mr. Ego with the crazy hair and the mama, ma, I don't know why he does that with his voice, but it's just, that's how we know it's him. I I haven't watched this arc in the longest time. So like hearing that again, I was like, oh man, it's brought it all back. They're all looking around they're like, damn, where did he go? He knows our secrets now. You know, what are the odds that someone who at least even got recruited by us would come back here? Uh, but then all of a sudden, the camera pans down, and Zoro's just casually looking up at the roof where he was, same as they were. And it's like, hmm, indeed. And they're just like, ah, when'd you get here? And he just looks around and cocks a smile, and he's like, well, shall we? And then he disappears once again and fools a bunch of them into shooting themselves because they're like, oh, shit, get him. He is too fast for them, and he's really trying to test himself out. Too fast. Too furious. He'll, Zoro will make a note later, but this is the first time we've really gotten to see him note that he's taking a big fight on like he did some fighting in the filler but we don't get we don't give a shit about that uh no but this is like the first time where he's truly canonically testing out the new swords that he bought from uh rogue town so it's 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 his first time to let loose as it were uh but then Iga is turning around saying just get him he's only a swordsman but all of a sudden beyond Iga's massive spongebob regal wig tier of hair uh a giant you know Tana comes out of nowhere on the side of his face and just stands there, shocked, white as a ghost. And Zoro's like, oh, a a point that Iga made before when he was talking to Zoro, he's like, we'll add more gravestones to this hill. And then it pans over to the hills of Whiskey Peak, which look like giant cactus balls. Uh, But there are just gravestones littered all over them in which these bounty hunters, it's implied that those are, you know, where they lay their victims or their bounties, if anything. But... Zoro comes behind him in a very cool motion, obviously in a nothing personal kid kind of a move, but it says, are you sure you need to only add one gravestone on those hills? And he just says a big shock. But also, weirdly enough, I forget if it was pointed out, Iga uh, is in possession of a saxophone. And when he plays the saxophone extremely poorly, uh, that shit got a gun in there because you know he always keep that motherfucking thing on him. Okay. So anyway, that's that knocks Zoro away. And he, he jumps back. They're all just still shocked that Zoro wants to fight. He's like, man, you got recruited by Baroque Works. How, how, don't you know how deadly we are? Blah, blah, blah. But Zoro obviously doesn't give, give a shit. Um, so that fight's about to ramp up. But then you cut back to everyone in the restaurant who is passed out. I think someone's cleaning up in there. Uh, Luffy's just snoring. Sanji and Usopp are doing a little bit snoring on the floor too. Uh, but Nami, though you think she's passing on the table, also, as it turns out, it was either faking it or able to hold her liquor as well and comes up and... Uh, wakes up in a motion where she says, aha, so this really is a town of bounty hunters. And she gets up and she is going to go do her thing along with Zoro as well. But Zoro's fighting. He's fighting back and forth with all these goobers out there. And he's obviously, they're no ma- like the peons uh, of Baroque works are no match for him. He's just going to town, uh, having fun with his new swords. Uh, so much to the point that the cursed blade, I forget the name of it, was uh, able to cut through a giant comically large hammer that someone was about to bash him over the head with and he's like oh shit i can't even control the sword right but it's stronger than i thought i really need to you know work out my strength for this but you know he's having a good old time and i don't know where this like kid bumps into him and then like a not miss uh miss monday but like another nun lady all of a sudden i don't know what's up with nuns in this town it's like almost a cowboy aesthetic whiskey peak but um this nun lady comes up behind him and the kid is like oh please spare this child and zoro's just like why the fuck is there a kid up in the middle of the night? And all of a sudden, as he's like rolling his eyes back, the nun either pulls out a gun or pulls something, and the kid is also laughing. But then you cut back, and Zoro like conks them both in the back of the head, and then he's like, "Don't take advantage of pure-hearted people, you idiots!" And then he just keeps climbing the rooftops that he's uh, climbing over and fending off more of the uh, Baroque Works people. Pan over to Nami once again, who is going through the office at the bar or wherever. She's trying to rob them, obviously, or get more information as she do, because that's Nami. 
Um, but unfortunately, she's like, man, they don't have much treasure, which does line up somewhat with what uh, it was Miss Monday who said that. We're just like, why do we put our resources to like just fatten up these pirates and try to get them drunk? But they ended up just eating us out of house and home for the most part. Like literally Luffy just doing his weird comical digestion thing he does. Tsunami's doing her thing, digging around, trying to find more info on the inside. But Zoro's still making fools out of everyone to the point where he comes again. He comes up against Miss Monday for a second. She's a big, jacked bodybuilder of a woman. And so she puts on a pair of brass knucks and starts to take a few swings at Zoro. And almost when it seems like she's caught him and pins him down on the ground, it looks like she's about to deliver a straight-up just pow right in the kisser to his face. And, you know, Zoro's about to get whacked. He pans away. As Iga almost breathes a sigh of relief, but then he looks back because he hears a scream from Miss Monday, and Zoro just has her by the forehead. She's like, no, stop, you know, as in, like, she's clearly outclassed in strength by Zoro. And he's not, you know, making for a kill blow, but he's definitely got her on the ropes, and everyone is just like, oh, shit, wait, is this guy the captain? Because at this point, the bounty poster, the only main bounty poster one has is Luffy. I don't know if Zoro has a bounty poster yet. I know he's like second in line when they finally, everyone has a bounty. At this point, I think just Luffy has one. So when they looked at the poster, Iga showed them, oh, these guys are worth 30 million. It doesn't show Zoro on there, obviously. But I mean, Luffy, you know, if they're going off face value, Luffy just passed out in the bar right now and looking chonky and full of food. He ate them out of house at home and he's not fighting yet. Meanwhile, Zoro's out here just kicking ass. I'm like, oh shit, this one guy must be the captain. They just took a picture of this other crewmate. And they're like, damn, you know, he's super strong, but we can't lose. They start to reveal kind of how the hierarchy in Baroque works goes, where it's like the smaller your number is, so Mr. 8 is hypothetically stronger than Mr. 9. I don't know how the weekdays go. I forget about that. I think going from Monday all the way to Sunday, Sunday is the strongest, but we'll meet the character named Sunday at some point. They're discussing that. So Mr. Nine and Miss Wednesday finally go after Zero and some, or excuse me, Zero, Zoro in a very comical routine here. Miss Wednesday has a duck mount. Remind me, is it Kuro? Koro? I, I should know this, but what's the duck's Karoo. name? Karoo. Karoo. Okay, so it's Karoo. Anyway, he has a duck mount and who's a few few feathers shy of a full goose, meaning that it's, he's just, he's a little, he's a little on the slow side. Yeah. It's like a shitty chocobo. Yeah, there you go. The duck's doing its damnedest, but um, doesn't exactly do everything she wants. It's it's kind of corny, but it's like supposed to be kind of a comic relief almost. But when she does finally corner Zoro, oh, well, it's after Mr. Nine, in the meantime, does a bunch of crazy acrobat flips, but Zoro dodges them and deflects them and just throws them off a building. He's like, what are these jokers doing? He's almost embarrassed to be fighting, but Miss Wednesday finally catches him and uses this alluring perfume dance with Zoro at first is like he's not you know Sanji he's not gonna stop just because a woman's twerking in front of him but the perfume she uses is extremely strong and he's just like ugh what's this and she pulls out these uh, spinning chakrams that are almost like uh, uh, Mr. Django from way back on Usopp's island but they're a lot smaller she puts them like they're on finger rings but anyway she has a similar technique as that and she goes in but unfortunately, uh, Karu, her duck, kind of beams her on that and ends up just running straight off the roof of the building, too. And Zoro's like, what the, who the fuck are these people? And it, it, it almost feels like a gag fight at that point. As Zoro hops back down and tries to figure out more of what to do or tries to go after uh, Mr. Eight, Mr. Nine catches Zoro. Oh, well, because his another part of his Mr. Nine's attack was using baseball bats. But one of the bats breaks open and reveals a, a metal chain with a weight at the end. So he thinks he's caught Zoro. And as that happens, Miss Wednesday rolls back out out of nowhere, and she has rolled Luffy out, and is now apparently her hostage. But Luffy's just snoring his ass away, like, who cares? And Zoro's like, oh, come on, dude, at least wake up when you're a hostage. And he's just like, nope, he's just back there passed out. Miss Wednesday, she's that. And then Mr. Eight, um, all of a sudden, as Zoro is chained by Mr. Nine, pulls out, he pulls his bow tie, or his, I guess, necktie that he has, and all of a sudden, boom, a Bunch of gun turrets just pull out of Mr. Eight's crazy wig. Because that's just, he's just gunman. He attempts to shoot Zoro, but Zoro, being strong as he is, is like, you know what, screw this chain. And he literally just takes a big yank and pulls Mr. Nine and manages to throw him into the shot that Mr. Eight fired. So there you go. Um, he breaks free, and then 
bounces off Luffy and the springboard to also get up to Mr. Eight on the roof. And then as this is all happening, and they're mostly, Zoro is mostly embarrassing the current Baroque Works members that are there. Uh, our unlucky friends show up, our little little animal messengers. They show up because some of the other uh, peons, like the grunt workers, are like, damn, these guys are getting their asses kicked. They're supposed to be the strongest. What the fuck? So they're like, man, let's just get the fuck out of here. But the unlucky show up and they're like, where are y'all going? And they're like, uh-oh. But then a new pair of friends show up who are here to kind of kick things up a notch because things are getting a little out of hand. And that is Mr. Five and Miss Valentine. So they're also Baroque Works members, but they show up and they're just like, man, we got a message to come out here. But also the boss says that his secrets are getting out. And we don't even fully know what that means because we're a very secret company. Our motto is quite literally mystery. That's what they say in the show. They show up now and they've got even weirder powers. But what they do reveal and what they do say is that they're not just there actually for Zoro and Luffy. That happens to kind of just coincide with that. The reason why they showed up so timely is because they have caught wind that a certain very important person from a certain nearby kingdom has snuck into Baroque works and is posing as a member to try and get information. Several of the members missing from the Alabasta Kingdom, captain of their guard, uh, known as Ingaram, who, or Igaram, who we have already met, aka Mr. Eight, and most importantly, uh, the crown princess of this land, known as Nefertari Vivi, who is conversely Miss Wednesday. <gasps> Big shock. <sighs> And that's to be continued. What do you guys think? A lot. It's getting deeper. Lots thickening. Other than that, it's got a lot of good action. I think that like having good action along with having good stories like is really what brings this arc to fruition. There's lots of action all the way throughout. And there's just incredible amounts of detail to the story. So... Can't wait to see what happens next. Ooh, buddy boy. Yeah, like what Steve says, there's a lot of details in this episode. It doesn't feel long, but they do manage to pack whatever information they can into like every scene of this episode. Yeah, I was going to say, it's very, uh, again, not to keep dunking on filler. I'm just doing it the last time because hint, hint, we recorded this session the same night as we touched the last recent filler episode. Very dense, but in a good way. Just a lot going on. A lot of action. I tried to parse that all out pretty good. I mean, a lot of it, it's it's Zoro's fight. Zoro doing cool stuff and finally breaking out and having some fun. But um, yeah, keeping a, it's it's very clear that there's somewhat of a bigger underlying plot here in terms of not only just Baroque Works and what they're up to in this section of the Grand Line, but also the fact that not only is Baroque Works this organization with a lot of different members and lots of secrecy and stuff going on. So much to the point that a, a nearby neighboring kingdom's princess and her royal guard have invaded this company for reasons we will find out soon. Yeah, so about the naming convention, I'd looked it up beforehand because I was just confused because I had noticed, hey, all the guys are numbers and all the women are like days of the week and holidays. Well, yeah, that's true. So for like the numbered pairs anyways and the ones that have the ones that are named basically, so they operate in pairs. For the most part, it says. It says there's an exception or two. It's a guy and a woman. And they operate based on the number, basically. So with Nine and Wednesday, it's the pair nine team, something along those lines. It doesn't say why they did that, or I didn't look specifically why they decided. Let's break it down this way, but yeah. So... Five and Valentine are paired together. They're one, quote-unquote, they're the five team, basically. Yeah, it's a weird grouping. I mean, not the greatest code names, but at the same time. But yeah, so, episode 66. All-out battle. Luffy versus Zoro. Mysterious grand duel. So, Igaram pleads with Vivi to run for her life. And he just starts continuing to fire at Five Valentine, just keeps pulling his fucking tie, and it's just bullets flying. And then Five throws some sort of explosive at Igarum, and it seems like it kills him. 
So Valentine attacks Vivi coming falling out of the sky and it causes her hair to fall down. And one of the things I want to bring up here is in the prior episodes, you know, she has her hair pulled up in a ponytail, but kind of this last episode, but definitely the ones before her face just seems more angular and she seems older until like this moment. And then suddenly there's some like some sort of shift. It might signify going from antagonist to a possible protagonist, but she just seems younger and uh, not as mature. I think maybe that has to do with her role now as a princess in distress. Yeah, so she just looks younger, her hair is down, her face doesn't seem as sharp. And Zoro runs by as this is happening, just still dragging a still sleeping Luffy. And no, no, Ikaram's still alive apparently, and he's telling Vivi again, like, please just run away. It's for the future of the kingdom. You're all we have. Nine. Having worked with Vivi for a long time, you know, he's like, I don't know about all this royalty stuff, but we've worked together. I'm going to buy you time. And five and Valentine is like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? You don't form attachments. This is Baroque works. We're professionals. Friendships are for the weak. So you see nine just doing some like backflips towards five. And he's like ready to swing his bat at the theoretically more powerful Baroque works agent. And Five launches an explosive, which is apparently his fucking boogers, which is gross, at just like point blank range. And I'm going to assume nine is fucking dead, but I also thought that Igaram was dead at that point. So who knows? But like, I don't know. Uh, Don't tell me. <laughs> but yeah, so Igaram, well, Vivi runs off. Taking Karu with her, and Igaram's begging Zoro, like, please protect the princess. And Zoro's like, why the fuck would I do that? You just tried to kill me literally a few minutes ago. Phoebe's on her little duck chocobo, and five Valentine are hot on their trails, just trying to capture them and kill them. And Igaram's trying again, just like, please, please. You're a pirate. You must care about money. You also do a bounty hunter. A few get her back to Alabasta, definitely you'll get some sort of reward. And of course, that is the exact moment that Nami jumps out of the shadows like, oh, reward, huh? So if we uh, if we get your princess back to the kingdom, do you think we can get a billion? And Igram's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm just, even as the head of the security, the royal guard, I'm still just a soldier. I can't authorize that. They're like, wow, man, I can't believe you value the money so much more than uh, your princess's life. I guess she isn't worth that much to you. And Zora's like, oh, man, what a fucking bitch. <laughs> really? You're really playing hardball with this one. Eventually, Nami just says, okay, fine, we'll get her. I'll save your princess. Zoro, get to it. Just immediately. It's like, all right, someone else go do my work. And the two pirates argue about how she's trying to boss him around and she always gets like he says stuff like i'm not sanji you can't just tell me what to do because i'm in love with you all of this arguing half wakes up luffy and he starts wandering around the town while he's sleeping so nami's pressing zoro like hey you you still owe me money from log town 300 percent interest and zoro's like what the fuck are you talking about? I gave you that money back literally the same day. It's like, no, you agreed interest. You still owe me 300,000 berries. And there's like, ah, oh, God damn it. And Zoro looks like he's still going to be fighting until Nami says, what, you can't keep one little promise. And I'm assuming just that, uh, the idea of keeping promises because Zoro has that whole I'm going to be the greatest swordsman in the world because of his promise with Queena. I think that triggers something. Again, this is just armchair psychology. I think that is part of the reason why Zoro is like, all right, fine, I'll go save the princess. 
and we cut to Vivi and Carew, and you just see this big-ass duck running and running, seeing five and nine at different parts of the city. And we cut to Luffy peeing in a lake or something. And now that he's a little bit more conscious after taking his piss, he looks around and he's really shocked to see all these defeated, quote-unquote, villagers. So we cut back to Vivi, and she is cornered by Five and Valentine. But now, a revived Miss Monday also offers to serve as a distraction to let the princess escape. She says, hey, even if Five and Valentine weren't here trying to kill us, we all technically failed the boss, and we'd probably end up dead anyway. So I might as well give whatever life I have left to try to save a friend. Just showing that these lower-ranked members of Baroque Works that have been living in Whiskey Peak have formed this sort of bond. Try as she might, Miss Monday can't do anything against Five and Valentine. And Five explains that he can make any part of his body explosive, maybe even his sweat a little bakugo, because he ate the bom-bom fruit, or in the Japanese, the bomu-bomu no mi. And so he causes this massive explosion, you would think that that alone would kill Miss Monday. As if to make that amazingly worse, Valentine reveals what her power is from eating the Kilo Kilo fruit, or in the Japanese, the Kiro Kiro no Mi, so she can control how much she weighs. So she can make herself lighter, and I guess like the being lighter can assume the theory is that gravity doesn't affect her as much not entirely sure how that works but so she can make herself kind of like float and fly by lowering her weight or she can increase how much she weighs and she like makes herself weigh like a ton or two something like that and just drops like a fucking stone onto the body of miss monday so if not before almost definitely now miss monday is dead which all of these people are sacrificing themselves for Vivi, and she's just like, oh, no, you fucking monsters. But I, I can't let them have died in vain. I need to get away and make sure their sacrifice means something. So Mr. Five launches another disgusting, explosive booger at the princess. And wouldn't you know it, Zoro jumps in. And cuts that booger in half before also being, oh god, that's fucking disgusting. And we cut back to Igaram, who is telling Nami all of the details that he can about Baroque Works, which is a secret, a secret criminal syndicate. And they're working in assassination, espionage, and bounty hunting. They're led by a mysterious boss who is known as Mr. Zero, that no one knows anything about. From one of the few things that I remember of the 4Kids dub, Mr. Zero had been one of my favorite characters. We will get there when we get there. So the idea behind Baroque Works is that they're going to fuck shit up, basically, and carve out some sort of utopia upon the bodies and ashes of all these other lands. And when they make this idealized state, like this kingdom or whatever, to live in, Anyone that was inside of Baroque Works is promised a spot in their new utopia. So we're back with Zoro and Vivi. Vivi's kind of like, we don't have time for this. Why are you? And Zoro cuts her off immediately and cuts one of her chakrams. And she's like, look, I'm here to help. And that is when Luffy just arrives on the scene and he is pissed as fuck. And Zoro's like, Oh man, this is great. Hey Luffy, thanks for showing up, but I think I got it from here. And he's like, Zoro, I'm going to kick your ass. I'm going to fuck. Well, he doesn't say fucking because it's still even censored or even as uncensored as television can go. I don't think they can say fucking, at least not in the English. And I don't think they say that in the dub or in the sub. Uh, but yeah, she's like, I'm going to, these people are nothing but nice to us and you slice them all up. And Zoro's like, no, no, you don't understand. And it's like, what I don't understand is how you can be so selfish and ungrateful to all these people that did nothing but 
show us kindness. And I tweeted earlier, like I had to pause the show again because Luffy did some stupid shit. And this is what I was referring to because it's just, we are getting into a fucking fight between Zoro and Luffy. Something I don't think we have actually seen yet up until this point. So with the pirates fighting amongst themselves, the Baroque Works agents decide, okay, now is our time to kill the princess. Luffy and Zoro's fight sends the rubber boy crashing through a building and he takes five and Valentine with him. Originally, their plan was like, okay, maybe if we just let the pirates fight themselves, they'll kill each other. We don't have to deal with them. But at that point, Five's pissed enough, like, okay, all right, if you really want to get into it like this, I can just kill you right now. And you see this massive series of explosions rocking the building. And you see Valentine float up through the air, getting ready to just attack Zoro, dropping down, getting to, like, I think she said, like, 10,000 pounds was the force that was going to come crashing down onto Zoro. The swordsman tells Vivi, hey, we've got bigger issues than what's happening right now. And Luffy comes out of the building just relatively unscathed from all these explosions, and he's holding an unconscious five in his arms. And you see, we didn't mention it before, or I guess I didn't mention it before, uh, Luffy is still carrying all of the weight from the food that he had, so he's like kind of like full to burst like when he uses his gum-gum balloon. So he's walking around like that, but now we see Lean Mean Luffy coming out with fives. Like, oh yeah, I worked off all the food I ate before. I'm even better for this fight. And just Valentine comes crashing down with that 10,000 pounds, and Zoro literally just takes one fucking sidestep to the side, not even paying attention to her at all. And you just see this crash, like, hey. But yeah, so both members of Baroque Works are incapacitated. And Luffy and Zoro decide to go all out at each other. And it seems like Zoro and Luffy just knock each other out at one point at the same time. And a very, very confused Vivi leads Karu through the town. That is until she manages to get in between the pair that just like jump up again and are starting to attack. And... You know, they're causing some more destruction. Vivi, I think, gets a few scratches from that. Five and Valentine get back up to kill Luffy and Zoro. But just that, like, killing intent in their eyes when they, like, hey, you're getting in the way of our fucking fight, just stops them in their tracks. The two knock the Baroque Works agents way the fuck away, and they're getting ready to take their fight to the next level. And that is the end of episode 66. Any thoughts? Action. Yeah, lots of action. I'm loving all this action. Great. Hell yeah, there is. The fight, I mean, obviously it's showing how Luffy's still kind of a dumbass, but I think the show does a good job of showing how Luffy does kind of evolve. There's definitely more depth to his character and just like showing some of his like stupidity early on kind of goes away. Like he still has shonen anime pro tag careless jeans if that makes sense but there you still um get a good feel of like seeing how he progresses but yeah i mean it's the thing where it's like dude you just slept through all of this but in contrast zoro did sleep through them having a crazy tough time sailing all the way up to whiskey peep so maybe maybe this is his comeuppance maybe this is his, his divine retribution more fun stuff. It's cool to learn about how, I guess, Vivi is the princess of this crazy country that we'll eventually get to. And, um, I mean, it's the country that's the main name of this overarching chapter, Alabasta. So we'll get there when we get there. But, um, yeah, Baroque works are crazy people. Um, we'll see how this fight ends next time. Yeah, crazy. So... I'd mentioned many episodes ago that I've been playing Jump Force. It has been... Probably since I last mentioned it, since I had played. But one of the things that they say when Zoro and Luffy fight, and now I actually have context for, is I guess we'll finish what we started at Whiskey Peak. It's like, oh, cool. I don't know what the fuck that means, but that's actually kind of hype. 
but I also saw Zoro's, I saw both of their post time skip designs and I kind of just like, I wonder what's going to happen with uh, this. You mean Zoro's face? I just did a, I just did a physical gesture on an audio podcast. Um, if you know Zoro's time skip design, you probably are aware of what I'm referring to. I'm just going to say that. I mean, it's not really a spoiler. Spoil you can yourself. literally Google the word Zoro One Piece and two designs will probably pop up. Whereas what he's referring to is Zoro's left eye is just like shut, like it has a cut on it. And I'm just, I'll like not to drop too hard on it. So far, not much has been said about that. I think it's just a cool design choice as we know thus far. There are a lot of theories behind that still. I don't know. Maybe he's got a fucking Sharon again. Pretty much going to be it for us today. Steve, what do you have to plug? At Steve Horniak, S-T-E-V-E-H-R-N-Y-A-K. What about you, Slosh? Same for me. Um, got some birds. Not a not a duck bird, but a bird bird. It's Twitter. Uh, at Rob Link. Most of the same. Some serious, some jokes. Sometimes there's even one piece. Come find me over at twitch.tv slash Rob Link. Fun, fun times, especially right now. Okay, you can find me on most social media platforms with the handle at El Tubacabra. That's E-L-T-U-B-A-C-A-B-R-A. You can find the show on Twitter with the handle at Reluctant Cruise. You can find it on Instagram with Reluctant Cruise Podcast. And you can email us at with ReluctantCruise at gmail.com. So yeah, that's it. Have fun on that cruise. And uh, fuck the sea cops. Bye.